Welcome back to the QEH podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the QEH community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and the school. Now today we're finding out about PSHE, what exactly it is, why it's important for pupils at QEH, what they talk about in PSHE, whether it's just the stuff that makes people blush and so much more. Naomi Holcomb is the head of PSHE and she gives up her time to talk to me today about all of this. So let's not waste any more time, but instead join me as we step into PSHE at QEH with Naomi Holcomb. Naomi, thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very good indeed. Thanks. Very good. It's great to have you here, especially giving up your time on a Wednesday lunchtime. Do you usually get much time on a Wednesday lunchtime to grab a bite to eat? Or do you get downtime at all in school, actually? Depends on the day and depends on what's going on. So yeah, Wednesdays are quite good days for me. I've got a quieter afternoon and then I finished with the year seven PSHE lesson last lesson. Ah, well, well, that's fantastic. That's a PSHE lesson because that's one of the things we're talking about. But before we come on to that, tell us a little bit about how long you've been at QEH for. I joined in September of 2007. So I'm now, I suppose, going into my 16th year here, something like that, which has flown by. It seems like a very long time to be in one place, but it's such a great place. I haven't gone elsewhere. And have you always been involved in PSHE or have you done other things in school? So I joined as a drama teacher, so I predominantly teach drama. And then I was head of year eight for six years. I'm I'm currently acting assistant head of year 13. um, And I took on the PSHE role um, just as we were going into lockdown. Great time to take on the role about. 18 months two years ago so year eight and year 13 they're very different years aren't they how do you find the difference between the two lots of different issues come to the fore there's still still lots of things to problem solve and lots of things to help them with but yeah less about pencil cases and who pushed who in the lunch queue in year 13 (laughs) (laughs) no of course of course okay let's talk about pshe then first of all for anyone listening to this who doesn't actually know what pshe is which may be quite a few people actually Tell us what it is in a nutshell. Well, I'll tell you what it also stands for, because loads of people often say to me, what do the letters mean? And they all try and guess and they guess lots of different things. So it stands for personal, social, health and economic education. Um, And often people forget that that last E is economic. It's not just education. So I suppose it should be P-S-H-E-E, but there's enough letters already. Okay, let's just get this right. Personal, social, health and... Economic education. Economic education, right. Okay. What do you mean by economic education there then? So we look at some financial planning. Um, We look at things linked into careers. We do lessons, for example, on budgeting, um, on finances. We look at uni finances as well. Um, Things like, you know, loans, credit cards, understanding APR, all that kind of stuff, Um, as well as things like how much would you need to earn to rent this flat or pay this council tax or whatever else. There's some kind of life skills in there. Ah, right. Okay. So that explains the E part. So tell us then about the the PSH parts of that. Yeah. So the personal, social and health bit is kind of incorporated into, there's more letters to come, in an RSHE. So the RSHE part is relationship, sex and health education. So that's the bit that the government have made mandatory. So 
PSHE, if you think of it as an umbrella term, covers lots of different things. So it covers careers, it covers economic and um, education, it covers things like living in the wider world. For the large part of it, for around 80% of PSHE, it's actually made up of the relationships, sex and health education. And that's the 80% that the government have said we have to teach in schools and it's mandatory across all areas, junior and senior school. Why has the government said that then? I think they've realised how important it is. I think They've also realised that having consistent, reliable and good information on on these subjects is really important for children's development. Some kids were getting absolutely no RSHE at all, nothing, and some were getting loads. And I think that inconsistency was providing confusing messages to children. It was also leading a lot of children to go online and look up things that really needed an adult's guidance and ending up in a, you know, in places they didn't want to be. And I I think they've realised that school is a good place to have open, honest conversations about the world, about sexual health, about relationships in general. Um, And then that's a good place to start those discussions, which we hope also will be happening at home. But I think that's why they've decided that school is a place that needs to make sure that that's done in a more formal way. Now, I imagine that PSHE today is, is a little bit different to how PSHE used to be for, I imagine, some of the people that are listening to this when they are at school. Oh, yes. And it was very different for me when I was at school. I often regale them of quite shocking stories, really, of the things I was taught or not taught when I was at school. And it's unbelievable to think about that. And that you know, I'm not 100, but it, it's not that long ago. And it's changed hugely. And I think all for the better. I'm chuckling to myself here because actually I remember talking to my mother who's 20 years off being 100. She's going to murder me if she hears me say this. But I asked her what what her experience was like when she was at school. And she said that when it came to any kind of sex education, it was quite simple. Run, she was told. Any man comes to you, run. (laughs) Wow. I was amusingly told either, I mean, just don't. Okay, that's message number one, um, which we know, incidentally, statistically, you know, absence is still taught in America, for example, does not work. And advice number two, I was told by the teacher at the time, just keep your jeans on. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, this is... um. Neither, you know, neither pieces of advice were helpful in any shape or form. And, you know, we want kids to have really good, reliable, positive sources of information. And that's why I think school's a good place to be doing that. So I imagine then that it doesn't matter what school you're looking at, children of a certain age are going to find sex education or relationship education, you know, giggling in in, in one particular sense or maybe another particular sense. Is that something that you experience at school? A little bit, yes. And that's kind of to be expected. And I always say to them, look, you're not going to say anything that shocks me. I've taught this, okay, admittedly here, not for very long, for a couple of years, but I've actually taught PSHE throughout my entire career. So, you know, we're looking at 16, 17, 18 years worth of teaching this subject. You're not going to say anything I haven't heard before. And even if you do, I'm not going to be shocked by it. So be as open and honest as you can. Ask questions, because actually, if you're thinking something, most likely other people will be thinking it too. And it's all right to be a little bit embarrassed. It's okay. And often I say to them, because, you know, when you predominantly teach boys and you're a female teacher... You might be a bit uncomfortable with me saying certain words or saying certain things, but and that's okay. Um, and one thing I always ask in my lessons is listen well, think about things, but you don't have to contribute if you don't want to. I'm never going to pick on you and ask you for a, 
um, an answer, unlike perhaps in another subject where we might say, you, tell me what you think, you, tell me what you think. In PSHE, I'm not going to do that. So I said to them all at the beginning of the year, if you just want to sit and listen, that is absolutely fine. Because otherwise they feel on the spot or they do get more embarrassed thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to contribute or say something I don't want to say or I'm not comfortable with. And I want all the students in the class to feel informed, but not feel like they're under pressure to discuss something that they may not be yet confident enough to do. And you mentioned about the alternative being going and searching something up on the internet. Obviously, this is a better way for children to learn uh, about these kinds of things. But what do you see as being some of the negatives of children learning from the internet about this kind of thing? I think the issue with the internet is it's great for all sorts of information, but not all sources of information are reliable. And also they may end up looking at something they were not intending to look for. So it may actually be quite an innocent question that they're looking for an answer for, but they end up with a bit of clickbait and, you know, click here and look at that in a place that they were not expecting. And that can be quite dangerous. We also talk within that wider umbrella of PSHE about online safety. We talk about online images. We talk about things like using technology and social media and you know, how that distorts things in terms of body image. We also discuss sending or receiving nudes and we talk about the law. So it's actually a lot of what we do is linked in to online content because that's their medium. That's where a lot of them are spending the majority of their time. Now, you mentioned about sending nudes. Let's just use that as an example, because I imagine, again, that the people listening to this, when they were at school, that wasn't an issue at all because phones weren't able to handle that kind of thing. To what extent do you think that parents are unaware of some of the things that are happening these days, whether or not they're things that are happening to children at QEH? I think they are unaware. I don't mean that in a negative way because you, you just can't keep up with what they're looking at. Equally, you're not going to be on the same platforms that they are. You know, how much do I know about TikTok, really? Well, I'm trying to learn quite a lot because they're all on it, but I'm not. And equally, you're not going to see what they see because of the algorithms. So what we realised quite recently was when everything came to the fore, when um, the headlines were talking about Andrew Tate, and obviously there have been a lot more headlines since in the last week. This was something that the kids knew about way before we knew about it. Because they all got all that through TikTok. They all got a lot of information about him, misinformation, a lot of it, because their algorithms were sending it to them. They were not sending it to me because I'm a different generation to them. I'm a different age to them. So, you know, while I'm getting certain things in my feed, I'm not getting the same kind of content they are. So it is absolutely understandable, even if you're totally on it as a parent and, you, and you've and you got really good parental controls and you're really open and honest with your children and you've got, you know, devices in a common area and all that sort of stuff that we're told to do as parents, you, you're not going to catch up with everything they see and you're not going to view everything they're looking at because you simply won't get it because you're a different age and you're interested in different things. So that's where it can become a bit frightening to think, what are they watching um, and what are they exposed to? So how can parents go about keeping up to date with things that are happening, even if it's just being aware that our children might be seeing different things than we're seeing, even if we're on the same platform? I think just talk to them. Just talk to them about what they're looking at, be interested in what they're seeing. Try, if you can, to have some devices in more common areas so that not everything is always in a bedroom because that, you know, that can be quite difficult, a bit more of an open door policy. And I know as children get older, that's that's perhaps unrealistic and they also want their privacy. But having conversations across the dinner table about someone like Andrew Tate, for example, can be quite revealing. But suddenly realising I 
wasn't aware that you thought that and let's discuss that. And if possible, it's easy to say theoretically, but try not to be too reactionary and let them have their say. Um, whilst, you know, I suppose carefully <laughs> showing a counter viewpoint. Um, and if you're worried about anything, contact us because we are trying as much as we can to be a bit of a finger on the pulse for what's trending, what they're talking about, what's coming up in the media. And certainly with my PSHE lessons, yes, they're all planned out, but actually term on term, year on year, they change because the information we're talking about isn't relevant because it's gone out of the press, you know, and something new has come up. So we try and tailor our curriculum to things that are actually happening in the real world to engage students. And also so we can hear a little bit about the things they see that perhaps we hadn't realised. And how do you think this changes children after they leave QEH and go out into the big wide world? Well, hopefully the PSHE curriculum and the, and the new things that the government have put in place will make them more independent, a bit more savvy about the world, a bit more clued up about things. So we have a new partnership with the police education team and they're coming in as part of enrichment to do lessons on social media, to do lessons on your rights and responsibilities. We had a great one last week with Year 10 with Stop and Search. So they understand, you know, if that happens to them, what their rights are. So I would hope that through the PSHE programme, they get really good information both from inside and outside sources so that they go off into the world with all that at their disposal. And tell me about how you feel it would have changed you as a person had you had, you know, this level of PSHE education when you were at school yourself. I just think you wouldn't feel as much in the dark. And I think you'd also know that you've got trusted adults you can speak to. I often ask the kids, you know, who is comfortable talking to their parents about all of this? And lots of them say they are, which is fantastic. But lots of them understandably say, I'm not that comfortable talking to mum or dad or whoever about this. For several reasons, either they're uncomfortable or they feel like if they do speak really openly, they might be judged. And again, this isn't a judgment on parents at all. It's just often if kids are coming home asking lots of questions, you might feel like you don't know the answers or you don't know what to say or you're worried that they're getting into something they shouldn't be. So I feel like if I'd had this information at school, I'd have known who to go to. We deal with lots of outside agencies. So Brooke come in lots of times to talk to year nine about porn, to talk to year 10 about sexual harassment, to talk to the sixth form about sexual health. And these are fantastic companies that they then have personal contacts with. Um, and as I said before, the police, for example, SARS, loads of different groups. So those kids have got lots of really good information when they leave QEH. It's not just reliant on teachers. Naomi, you mentioned that you're a drama teacher as well. Uh, how do you balance the PSHE work with being a drama teacher? Well, probably feeds in quite well um, with PSHE and drama kind of coming hand in hand in lots of ways. Um, I try to make my PSHE lessons as practical as we can. Um, and obviously stuff crops up in drama that is all about the world around us, about, you know, social historical context, about, you know, understanding what the world was like previously. So, for example, I just did a Midsummer Night's Dream lesson with Year 8 in drama. But actually, we were talking about, about gender equality. And we were talking about Emma Rice's production at The Globe a few years ago, where she changed the gender of one of the characters from Helena to Helenus, and how we looked at that relationship differently. And, you know, did Demetrius want to leave Helena or Helenus at all, actually? Or was it when they changed the gender around because he felt like there was societal pressure? And although that sounds like a huge amount to be talking to year eight about, they're really good. I was saying, look, would it make a difference if these two characters were gay? Would it make a difference if you looked at what the pressures were on women, um, you know, 
back in 1600s versus the pressures on men. So lots of those topics come up naturally in drama that kind of feed into the PSHE work that we do. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because we often hear that with that generation, they embrace gender, well, gender equality, but gender change as well, or gender identity far more quickly than uh, than people of well, my generation or, or my parents' generation. So people in their 40s or people in their 80s. Um, what, what's your experience of how children embrace that at QEH? Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think what's going to be very interesting actually is over the next five years or so. So I'm teaching year 11 now, but obviously I didn't teach them PSHE in year seven. Um, and it wasn't in the curriculum in quite the same way as it is now. They had PSHE, but not perhaps as, as embedded um, with these new um, statutory guidances. So it'd be really interesting to see what, when that lot get to year 11, just how their views have progressed just how open they are because yeah the year sevens are great they're really inclusive you know they understand about discrimination we you know we're just we're just writing a lesson at the moment actually for year seven for the next set of schemes of work that we're doing um, on protected characteristics discrimination gender equality and they're getting all of that from a really young age which i think is really important it's interesting as well that a number of people listening to this, they may be willing to embrace some of these things, but but they might just find it hard because things that we're taught as a child ourselves tend to get rooted in quite deeply, don't they? And even where people want to be willing to sort of re-educate themselves, it can be quite difficult. What can a parent do to sort of try to embrace that a little bit more? There are some really good books out there, actually. Even I was reading one the other day because I have a five-year-old daughter and I was reading How to Talk So That Your Child Will Listen, which I'm, you know, slowly ploughing through and I'm not sure how successful I am. But yeah, reading up, looking at articles, looking at things that crop up in the news and having a discussion with your child about them. And you might have completely different views. And PSHE is not about us telling you what to think. PSHE is let's give you this information. Let's explore this. And, you know, what is your opinion on this? Now, obviously, we are going to be challenging, you know, racist, homophobic, sexist um, viewpoints and behaviours. I will absolutely challenge that in lessons. But I want people to form an opinion for themselves. And I think it's really important that we have really healthy discussions. You know, in some cases, they argue quite passionately about all sorts of things so that they can discuss that in a really open environment. I think I've heard of the book that you referenced just then. Uh, is it uh, How to Talk So Your Child Will Listen and How to Listen So Your Child Will Talk? Is, is that the one? Yeah, something like how little people, you know, listen or something yeah, like that. It, I don't know, I was reading it late at night trying to phrase questions in a specific way to get my daughter to listen and to open up. But yeah. How do you find it helps you in your work, both as a drama teacher and PSHE, having a five-year-old daughter as well? Well, hats off to every primary school teacher because that uh, that is an age I could not deal with 35-year-olds. I don't know how they do it. They're amazing. Um, yeah, it just makes you realise how, how hard those teachers are working, but also just how many questions kids have and how much you know they're like little sponges especially at five taking all this stuff in and therefore it's important they're taking stuff in in the right way and from the right kind of people I suppose. Fantastic. Naomi I'm keeping an eye on time because I need to let you get back to your work at QEH uh, but thank you very much for being here and if anybody's got any questions at all or any concerns about anything at all how could they get in touch with you? Well several ways either email me 
Or we have a parents consultation meeting every year. Again, something that government have said to do is to make sure you consult parents about your curriculum and what's coming up. And we do that every year as a matter of course anyway. But I would really encourage people to come and join that conversation. We've done it in the last few years, obviously, on Zoom because it's been easier. But it'd be amazing to have a meeting in person this year and, and come and talk to us about the curriculum, any concerns you have, anything you'd like to see on there. Because although we have things we have to include, there's room for lots of different subjects and lots of different lessons and ideas so yeah come along to the parents consultation meeting um we're planning to have that in the next couple of months or so so i'll put messages out in the newsletter and get in touch and get involved fantastic very much an open door in that case so clear invitation there for parents to come along thank you very much for your time it's been really really good talking to you thanks very much simon so that was Naomi Holcomb, head of PSHE at QEH. Isn't it good to find out just what happens in some of these lessons? Hopefully you're now better informed than you were before. Don't forget, you can get in touch with Naomi if you have any questions. As you can tell, she's very happy to talk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>